Okay. Uh, so we are now in the third week of a four-week series called Spreading Life Together. Uh, and really what we're doing is we're looking at what is God asking of us as a church specifically uh, over the next few years uh, and how on earth do we respond to all of that. Uh, if, if you have missed the previous two talks, would really encourage you to uh, go online or go onto iTunes or uh, um, whatever, try and listen to what has been previously said, because I'm hoping that it's kind of building up a picture as we go. Uh, And um, I think there may even be the odd CD of the first week's talk on the Welcome Lounge. Um, But really what we're doing is we're we're kind of leading up to next week. Next week is our gift day, uh, and uh, we've not had a gift day uh, like this in, in the whole time that I've been part of City Church, which is about eight years uh, um, but what we're going to do is uh, we're going to probably do the talk fairly earlier, early on in the, in the morning and then we're going to worship God and have a big celebration and as part of that we're going to have a, uh, what I can only call the mother of all baskets uh, this enormous basket that we've been lent uh, we're going to put that on the, on the thing there and then we're all going to as part of our worship you know, throw in our uh, gift, our pledge cards and, and celebrate the fact that we're able to do that. Uh, so it's going to be a fun time, I think. I hope it is. Um, and uh, just to say briefly, if, if, you're, if you know that you're not going to be here next week, uh, but this is your place, could, could we just encourage you to let us know this week what you're intending to do? So, so uh, s- send in a pledge card or send in an email or whatever, just so that uh, uh, you know next Monday we can you know, start to look at where we're at and try and figure out where we go from there. We'd love that. Um, And what we're doing is we're encouraging everyone who calls this church their home to ask God what they should give. That's all we're asking. We're not trying to put any pressure on anyone. We're literally just wanting people to pray about it. Uh, And um, we're definitely not asking people to give recklessly uh, or or to write a number on a pledge card that they've actually no idea where they would get that money from. Actually, the very opposite of that. Uh, What we're asking people to do is to sit down with their bank statements and their budgets and all of that and figure out what they're currently spending their money on and figure out, Lord, which of these things that I'm spending my money on do you want me to not spend my money on for the next few years in order that I can give to this thing? And we're asking people to do it in a very intentional and deliberate way and not in any way a reckless way. Um, So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the subject of generosity and what the Bible has to say about generous giving. Uh, And uh, what we're going to be doing in a way is saying not so much what do we hope the Bible says is generous giving but but what the bible does say where does it come from how do we get generosity uh, and uh, how do we put it into practice in a way that's biblical so that's kind of where we're going let me briefly say maybe this is your second week here and you're thinking i knew it was all too good to be true here comes the bit where they want my money uh, and uh, probably they speak about this every other week you know uh, i've been here two weeks they've spoken for money about money for 50 percent of the time so far so that's probably how it's going to carry on uh, just to let you know, we, that's not us at all, actually. In fact, it's usually about this time of year. Once a year, uh, we'll open the Bible and, and look at what the Bible says about giving. Uh, and then really, we'll kind of often not really touch the subject for much of the, the next 12 months. And that's pretty much the pattern. So uh, just to encourage you, and there's evidence on our website that that is the case if you're concerned. But... Um, it does, in a way, this is a bit of a risk, to be honest with you. You know, speaking about money 
uh, every year. We do that because it reminds us all that we need to look at how much we give regularly to the ministry of the church. And I'm combining that, in a sense, with talking about this gift day. And the danger is that whatever people might give, you know, is diverted from one to the other or whatever. So it is a bit of a risk, but it just feels like the right thing to do rather than banging on about money all the time. Okay, so what does the Bible say? And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's going to really annoy me. Hold on a second. There you go. (laughs) Okay, uh, so just a little bit of background to this passage. Um, Probably one of the... uh, um, Uh, most exciting moments or or important moments of the Apostle Paul's life. Uh, One of the most significant aspects of his ministry is this this moment. Uh, And what's happened is there's been uh, an economic downturn in Jerusalem, you might say. There's been a famine across the region of Judea. Uh, And in Acts chapter 11, uh, a bunch of believers gather together and they try to figure out how do they respond to the need of the brothers and sisters who live in that region and, and uh, it's not only the famine it's also the fact that the Jews have expelled the Christians from the temple uh, and they've kind of uh, uh, ostracized them from the community they're boycotting their businesses they're refusing to, to, to speak to them and all that kind of stuff and so there are brothers and sisters uh, in Jerusalem and, and around the region of Judea who are starving to death And so in Acts chapter 11, they get together in Antioch and they try to figure out what we're going to do about this. And uh, as a result of that, they decide that Paul and Barnabas are going to go around a number of different churches and collect some money that they'll then take to to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And uh, what happens is that the the Corinthian church are the first ones to say, brilliant, that sounds really exciting, we'd love to give to that need. Uh, And Paul's really chuffed about that and then he goes on to the Macedonian churches which are churches like Philippi and Thessalonica saying uh, well listen these Corinthians they've given loads you know they're really excited to be able to give uh, so maybe you guys could give too and and the Macedonian churches are thrilled by the opportunity and and really inspired by the Corinthian example Uh, and so they give ridiculously generously and then it turns out that the Corinthians the first lot uh, actually didn't fully follow through on what they'd promised, uh, which is actually, to be honest with you, a, a kind of a common human condition, isn't it? We don't always follow through on what we intend to do, especially with this stuff. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians, uh, to Corinthians to say, uh, uh, number one, the Macedonians have given amazingly generously uh, and look at their example. And then secondly to say, guys, please will you follow through on what you promised? Okay, so we're asking the question, what does generosity look like? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. 
But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what's best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means." For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Okay. So, generous giving, first of all then, is an overflow of grace. It's important to recognize that this passage is about generous giving. It's not, you know, generous giving is not an incidental little sentence in a passage about something else. This passage is about giving. And yet Paul never mentions money. And he never mentions any kind of currency, shekels or, you know, copper coins or whatever. He never mentions percentages. He never mentions amounts. Uh, It's almost as if he's trying to avoid setting down a rule that everyone goes, yeah, I can just about obey that. You know, we love a bit of rules, don't we, us religious people? We love... You know, it's the Pharisee in us, I think, that, that wants to just say, look, just tell me just where the line is, just so that I can just about reach it. Uh, and yet Paul is desperate to not do that. In fact, it's almost like he's talking about a whole different kind of economy. Uh, God's economy that doesn't have the currency of pounds, shillings and pence. It has the currency of grace. Uh, and uh, really what he's trying to say is, you guys have received so much grace, and that grace should well up within you, and then leak. Um, it's probably the dominant theme of Paul's writing, the, the, the theme of grace. Uh, and, and maybe that's because Paul, uh, previously, in his previous life, was someone who did some pretty dreadful things. You know, he was a murderer. He was somebody who persecuted Christians. He went from town to town trying to eradicate the church and trying to destroy the church. And when he met Jesus, he knew that the only way that he'd got into the family of God was by grace. And he knows that, you know, even more so, the fact that he's a leader in the church is by God's grace. He says in 1 Timothy, I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, but the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And and Paul talks again and again about the grace that has just been given in in such lovely terms. He he says in Ephesians chapter 1, the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And in Ephesians chapter 2, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in, in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you've been saved. 
So it's no surprise then that when he's talking about this whole thing about giving, he points to the cause of their giving, the Macedonian church's giving, as being grace. Uh, the other day, I was taking down a tree in our garden. It was actually a tree that we didn't even know was there, if that, if that makes any sense. Uh, it was sort of down the side of our house, and it was only when I went down the side of our house for something else, I was like, oh, there's a tree there that's not supposed to be there. That must be a real pain for the neighbours. Uh, and so I decided to cut it down. And uh, so I went out, you know, kind of ready to be a man and to, you know, do manly things in the garden. And out I went, uh, and... Um, I guess Taryn came out a few minutes later to sort of mop my fevered brow and maybe to offer me a cup of tea. I don't know what she was intending to do. But as, as she came out to the garden, I was dancing around the garden. Uh, I was going, ah, 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 And she's looking at me as if I've gone absolutely insane, which is pretty much what you guys are doing. Um, and uh, obviously that whole dance made absolutely no sense unless you understand that I had really painfully caught my hand in between the fence and the tree uh, and caused myself a lot of pain and therefore I was dancing around the garden. And Paul says about the Macedonians, you need to understand you know, that their giving makes absolutely no sense to anyone. They've got no money, they're poor. They're living in extreme poverty. And you would say, well, why are you giving? Why, why are you doing that when you're... You have to understand. So Paul points upstream, as it were, to the source of their giving. And he says, it's down to grace. Verse 1. We want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. And he goes on to say in verse 9, I think it is. um, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sake, he became poor. God has poured out his grace so abundantly on us. And that's where the giving comes from. It comes from a place of extraordinary received grace. And I was speaking to a friend who's a pastor of another church this week. And he was telling me that he'd met this guy who was giving ridiculous numbers of hours of his time to serving the poor in their city. And... um, Uh, So he was kind of doing a full-time job and then getting home from work, quickly having something to eat and then rushing out again. And, you know, one night he's serving food to homeless people. The next day he's delivering furniture to people who haven't got any furniture. The next day he's helping people with their debt problems. He's kind of going from one thing to another. And my friend said to him, why on earth are you doing that? You know, every night almost it seems you're out doing something. You're giving hours and hours, maybe even a full-time job on top of your full-time job. And he said this, he said... My son was a drug addict for 12 years. And every night for those 12 years, we lived in fear of the moment where we'd get the, the phone call. And he said, my son, uh, God broke into my son's life and transformed his life. What else could I do? You see, generous giving is an overflow of the grace that we receive, number one. Second one, generous giving is an opportunity that's available to everyone. You could be forgiven for thinking that generous giving is the kind of thing that people do when they're quite wealthy. You know, when they've got some money in the bank or maybe at the end of all of their uh, expenditure, they've still got some money left. And for those of us, uh, and I 
often include myself in this category, who, uh, people who have more month left at the end of their money rather than money left at the end of their month. Uh, you could be forgiven for thinking, well, generosity isn't really for people like that. That it's not possible to give when you've got very little. Um, the truth is that lots of us do struggle with money and also we go through these moments and I know that this will happen to lots of people where you, uh, you're just about doing okay and then you have this whole series of disasters in the house you know, like we had this time this past year where we arranged for somebody to come and do some work on our house and we figured we could just, how we could pay for that uh, and then our car started to be on its last legs and so we had to replace that and take out a loan to do that and then uh, I ran over a speed bump and took off the bottom of the engine of my car and so then we had to fix that. You know, we have moments, don't we, where it's like, how am I going to pay for all this? But very few of us, even though money's tight for lots of us, very few of us would ever be able to say that our financial situation is a very severe trial which is what it says about the Macedonians in verse 2. Or, very few of us would be able to say that we live in extreme poverty. Um, And the language that's used there is very much like these guys are scraping the bottom of an empty barrel to be able to give uh, to the Lord's people. And it seems like Paul maybe even tried to discourage them from giving. It was like, uh, guys, I really think that no one would expect you to give given your financial situation But it says that they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service. And and it says their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I want to say, in a way, to repent, that I think I've said sometimes the wrong thing standing here. Um, Because I've said that I think that generous giving... To the, to the local church is a really great way to demonstrate that this is your place and that you feel like you belong here. But then I've gone on to say, actually, uh, for lots of people, that's not really possible because money's tight. Uh, and maybe you're a student and you don't have much money and, and uh, probably you can't afford to give. But I don't think that's what the Macedonians would say. They'd say, it doesn't matter how much you give, But don't lose out on the blessing and the joy and the adventure of giving. Um, You might say, but I'm not sure whether my little amount is going to make any difference. Uh, And uh, in one sense, little amounts maybe don't make very much difference. But the maths of God is slightly different from our maths. And Jesus was once in a place where he was standing in the temple watching people put money into the uh, temple treasury. And as he's standing there, he watches a whole bunch of people who are quite wealthy put in huge amounts into the treasury. And then he sees this widow come along and she puts two copper coins, two tiny shavings of copper into the uh, treasury. And Jesus says this, he said, I tell you that that widow gave more than everyone else. What an amazing thing. And you might say, well, how? How, how do you give when you've got no money or, or when money's tight? How does that work? Clearly, what they couldn't do is this. They couldn't say, right, well, I've got my income at the top of the list, and then I've got, well, I need to put some money into my pension, and then I need to put some money into savings, and then, uh, well, you know, I'd like to buy a new car in a few years, so I'll put some money aside for that, and then I'd 
like to go on holiday every year, so I'll put some money aside for that. And then I'll, uh, I've got a food bill to pay and a mortgage and some insurance and a phone bill. And, you know, uh, and then, oh, do you know what? There's, there's nothing left. I've spent it. What actually it says in verse 5 is, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. They gave themselves, the key word is first of all. So before they'd spent any of their money, they went to God first and they said, God, how much of this should I be spending on myself? But more importantly, how much of this should I be giving away? It actually doesn't work. If you wait to see how much you've got left and then you'll only ever give whatever change you've got in your pocket. The only way to give generously is to do it first before you spend money on any other thing. Um, the truth is that God never asks us to give out of the surplus of our surplus. Generous giving, in Paul's view, is giving that forces us to change our lifestyle. It's not generous giving unless something about the way that we live has to change. So if I can give my regular giving to the church, uh, uh, we're not really doing questions at the moment, but I'll maybe speak to you afterwards. Uh, um, if I can give my regular giving to the church, and then I can give uh, on the gift day next week to, to this Spreading Life Together vision, and I have to change nothing about the way that I live, then that's giving, but it's not this kind of giving. Um, I've heard one or two people over the last few weeks talk about how they're going to be giving and saying things like, well, we've just figured that we can downsize our holiday for a few years. Or uh, we're going to go without our Sky subscription and I'm not going to buy any lattes on weekdays, uh, you know, or, or whatever. And I think, yeah, that is the kind of giving that Paul's talking about. A change in lifestyle allowing us to give more generously. Uh, In 2 Samuel 24, 24, King David says this, I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Okay. Generous giving comes from a generous heart is the next one. Um, They didn't give out of a sense of duty. This isn't them saying, oh, I really feel like I ought to give something. Uh, This isn't... Paul saying, well, I turned the thumb screws on and I, you know, emptied them out upside down and, uh, you know, I really pressed them hard and eventually they managed to find something to give. It's actually the very opposite of that. Verse 3, it says, entirely on their own, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Um, And in uh, the following chapter, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, two different ways to give a healthy way and an unhealthy way. Uh, And the unhealthy way is, uh, in chapter 9, verse 5, he says, give grudgingly. And in verse 6, sparingly. And in verse 7, reluctantly. So unhealthy giving is grudgingly given, sparingly given, and reluctantly giving. It's the kind of giving that children do when you ask them for a sweet. You know, uh, yesterday we were sat down watching a a film together as a family, uh, and we'd got a load of M&Ms and... um, Explain this, right? You go into Tesco's, you can buy one packet of M&M's for £2.08, two packets for £2. Uh, anyway, so what else could I do? Uh, um, anyway, so we gave each child a little pot of M&M's, which had plenty of M&M's for them. And then I said, right, uh, who's going to give me an M&M? And then they fought amongst themselves as to who was going to be the unlucky one. 
you know, he's got more than me and all of that stuff. And then one of them just went. <laughs> one M&M. It's funny, isn't it? Kids. But that's the kind of giving that comes from a heart that says, I want to keep hold of as much as I possibly can. And so I'm going to give grudgingly and sparingly because, and reluctantly because I actually want to end up with enough stuff at the end. I want to end up with stuff. And then the opposite kind of giving is sowing generously, which is the opposite. It comes from a heart that says, who cares what I end up with? Look how much I can give away. The point is it's your heart that decides whether you're a generous giver or not. And a generous heart results in generous giving. And a heart that wants to hold on to and clutch on to stuff results in not that. Um, the irony is that, that you would think that the person who ends up with the most stuff is the happiest person, wouldn't you? But if that were true, then all the richest people in the world would be the happiest people in the world. And we know that that's not the case. In fact, the happiest people in the, in the world are the people who've loosened the, the grip of money on their lives and, and are willing to share generously. And, and let me say really clearly, I don't have a clue who gives in this church and how much they give. You know, and I think that's really important that we preserve that kind of anonymity uh, so that I don't look at you in a slightly different way and you don't look at me in a slightly different way. But I guarantee that if you went around the church and found the most happy, joyful uh, um, people who, who just seem to, to ride on a cloud of joy all the time, I guarantee that they're the people in our church who give generously. Um, it seems like a bit of a strange thing, and yet the Macedonians experienced overflowing joy as they gave. Okay, next one. Uh, Generous giving is a discipleship issue. The Corinthian church is quite a complicated church, actually, because they do lots of things really well, and they do a whole bunch of other things to excess. Uh, but, but Paul commends them, actually, in verse 7. He says, you excel in everything. That's quite an encouraging thing to hear from an apostle, isn't it? You excel in everything. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. Just make sure that you also excel in this grace of giving. Don't leave that out of your discipleship. Uh, it's funny, isn't it, that uh, most of us would agree that, that accountability is a good thing, right? Most of us would say, actually, to grow as a Christian really well and to keep on track with the Lord, you need someone in your life who's going to ask you difficult questions. Uh, and... Um, We'd probably say, yeah, ask me questions about my marriage and ask me questions about my parenting. Ask me questions about um, uh, what I look at on the internet. Ask me questions about how I'm fulfilling what God's calling me to. Ask me questions about uh, my service to the local church. Ask me questions about my witness in the community. But how many of us say to our friends, ask me questions about what I earn and what I spend on myself out of that and how much I give. It's strange, isn't it, that we seem to often leave our money out of our discipleship. Uh, it's almost like, God, we don't really want you to be concerned with that. We want you to be concerned with every other aspect of our lives. Um, 
The problem is, that is a massive problem for us who live in 21st century society in the West. Because 21st century society is gripped by consumerism and materialism. Uh, and every day we are bombarded with adverts that sell us stuff and, uh, on the premise that we'll be happy if we buy it. You know, buy this gorgeous car, uh, which seems to come with a gorgeous woman who will also find you gorgeous. Uh, you know, buy this yogurt drink and the friendly bacteria will cause you to bounce around the car park, much to the astonishment of your children. Uh, buy this Lynx deodorant uh, and uh, it will have a pleasing effect on your love life. Um, and all of that advertising takes us to a point where we need to borrow money. We're spending more money than we get, and so we borrow, we're borrowing money at a frightening rate. Something like a million pounds every four minutes we borrow in this country. Uh, and the consumer debt at the moment uh, is, is one and a half trillion pounds in this country. And the frightening thing is that that is dangerously normal for us. I was listening to Jeremy Vine this week on the radio and he was talking about house prices and stuff and he stopped himself and he said, I've just realised we're back there again. A few years of financial disaster, banking crisis, we're back talking about house prices again. Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 12 and, he, and it was about a man who's doing really well financially and, and uh, because he's getting more and more income, what he does is he builds bigger and bigger barns. What I need is a bigger barn to keep my stuff and these barns keep growing and expanding. And then one day his life is taken from him. And the barns just stand there, no use to anyone. And he starts off that parable by saying this. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Seems like that would be a very important message for us in 21st century Western society to hear. Watch out. Be on your guard against kinds of greed. Uh, I'm reading through with my children Lord of the Rings at the moment. And, and the, the Lord of the Rings is based on this ring. Most of you will know the story, I'm sure. Uh, it's a ring of extraordinary beauty and power and wonderment. Uh, and uh, um, uh, there's a, a kind of a slimy creature called Gollum who gives everything, his entire life, to trying to get hold of what he calls what? My precious. This morning, if I could ask you in a very sort of pastorally loving way, what is your precious? What are you giving your life to gain? Because Jesus said that true life, abundant life, is only found when we place our treasure in heaven, when, when our precious is God. The only known antidote to loosen the grip of consumerism on our lives is to give generously. And so in giving generously, we have the opportunity to kind of fight off the grip of consumerism in our lives. Next one. Uh, generous giving involves equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. Uh, you'll notice that Paul never breaks it down and says, right, if everyone who's part of every church gives five shekels, then that's, that'll fix it. You know, he never does that. Why? Because for some people to give five shekels would be crippling. You know, that would leave them with literally nothing. And for other people, five shekels is just going to fall out of their pocket and they won't even notice it's gone. 
So it's not fair to ask everyone to give the same amount. So what he actually says is, in verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed. I'd rather there, there was equality. Equality of what? Well, surely not equality of amount, but equality of sacrifice. We all have to feel the bite together. And um, the truth is that as we look at, uh, to not only keep our regular uh, budget uh, in, in, you know, in funds and make sure that we can always afford to do the things that we want to do as a church, uh, which is always growing because people keep thinking of ideas of stuff that they could do uh, with our money, um, we also need to raise something short of half a million pounds um, to spread out the life of our church over a geographical area. Can I just encourage you to not give on the basis of maths? You know, to figure out, well, there's this number of people in the church and we need this much money, so if everyone gave this amount, then that would be all right. Or even to start trying to, you know, moderate that a bit by saying, well, there are probably some people who couldn't afford to give that, so maybe if I just give a little bit more, then that will cover the people. Let's just not do that. Let's just bring our money first to the Lord and say... God, what do you want me to give? And what do you want me to go without? Generous giving involves equal sacrifice. Uh, and the last one, generous giving changes lives. Um, he says in verse 14, your plenty will supply what they need. In other words, these people are starving to death. They will not live unless you give towards them. And it's not only about the blessing of giving. It's, you know, the, the teaching here is not only that you will receive blessing and joy and that it will be fun to give and, and all of that. It's also that your giving will mean that your money can pay for what they need. And um, for all of us, the truth is that we want our money to make a difference. When we give, we don't want to give to something that feels like it's a, a, you know, a, just a crumbling institution. We want to give our money to something that feels like it's going to make a difference. And if I could just say, you know, for Taryn and I, the reason why we give as much as we do and the reason why we give the the overwhelming majority of it to this church is because we believe that giving money to this church will make a difference to people's lives. For example, uh, this year, 2012, we will, uh, as a church, spend more than £46,000 on uh, global mission. So £46,000 will be given to people who we know and love and trust, who are working uh, in some of the poorest places in the world, and that money will go an awful long way to helping people who are in real need. So we'll give some money to, or we have given some money to Leslie and Shanti and they're working with uh, widows and orphans from the civil war in Sri Lanka and that money will really make a big difference. And we'll give money to Ken Ray in Vietnam who's building homes for children and also planting churches like they're going out of fashion. Uh, And that will go a long way. And we'll give money to Guy and Susanna in Kenya and they'll rescue a whole load of abandoned babies because of the money that we've given. Uh, And I could go on and on, Uganda, Tanzania... Uh, Albania uh, and so on and so on Um, as well as our money going out there and this is all from the general fund uh, as well as that our money also changes the lives of people here Uh, and um, the truth is that that like Paul was saying earlier on uh, there are hundreds of people actually in this city who are beneficiaries of the food that we provide 
um, not only by these uh, tins and cans and all of that, but also uh, in lifestyle where we feed maybe 40 to 60 people every week on a Monday night round here. Um, uh, as well as that, uh, our money runs toddler groups for families in this area. It runs lunch clubs for elderly people who would otherwise have no contact with people for the entire week. It takes the gospel into primary schools and secondary schools. It provides pastoral care for people who are bereaved or who are struggling with eating disorders or depression. It pays for marriages to be strengthened. It pays for families uh, and parents to be equipped to be able to parent better. And I could go on and on and on. The money that people give to this church makes a massive difference. And I would, again, just say, when you're considering how much you give to put in the big basket up here, please would you also consider your regular giving to this church. And don't give to the vision what really you ought to be giving anyway to the ministry of our local church. Um, And then we want to spread it all out. You know, we want to do what we're doing here only across a greater geographical area with lots more people. And that's what this spreading life together vision is all about. If you love our church and if you believe that your money will make a difference here, then I would really encourage you to just put a number in the box and then to come ready to put that slip into the box. Let me just finish by saying this, and I know I've spoken for quite a long time. I couldn't figure out which bit to leave out, so I said it all. Um, I just feel it's right to say to you that, that, that Taryn and I are all in with this. And um, I don't want to speak about you know, what amounts we're giving or anything like that. But just to let you know that we're not asking you to do something that we're not doing as a family ourselves. Uh, and uh, we've been through this process now three times over the last few weeks of, uh, okay, Lord, I think I'm comfortable with that amount. Oh, you want me to give slightly more? Okay, let's try and figure out how we do that. Uh, and um, you know we've gone through the process of uh, what what could we go without for a few years but I'll tell you this we've never missed a penny that we've given and uh, I would just encourage you again to bring your money before God and say God what do you want me to do with this Uh, and really how much of this do you want me to keep and spend on ourselves and how much of it do you want me to give let's stand shall we